Chapter Thirteen of the Jewel by Anton Chekhov, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Laevsky received two notes. He opened one and read, "Don't go away, my darling." Who could have written that? He thought, not Samoylenko, of course, and not the deacon. For he doesn't know I want to go away. Von Koren, perhaps? The zoologist bent over the table and drew a pyramid. Levski fancied that his eyes were smiling. Most likely Samoylenko has been gossiping, thought Levski. In the other note, in the same disguised, angular handwriting, with long tails to the letters, was written. Somebody won't go away on Saturday. A stupid jibe, thought Lavsky. Friday, Friday. Something rose in his throat. He touched his collar and coughed, but instead of a cough, a laugh broke from his throat. Ha ha ha! He laughed. Ha ha ha! What am I laughing at? Ha ha ha! He tried to restrain himself. Covered his mouth with his hand, but the laugh choked his chest and throat, and his hand could not cover his mouth. How stupid it is! He thought, rolling with laughter. Have I gone out of my mind? The laugh grew shriller and shriller, and became something like the bark of a lapdog. Levski tried to get up from the table, but his legs would not obey him. And his right hand was strangely, without his volition, dancing on the table, compulsively clutching and crumpling up the bits of paper. He saw looks of wonder. Samoylenko's grave, frightened face, and the eyes of the zoologist, full of cold irony and disgust, and realized that he was in hysterics. How hideous! How shameful! He thought, feeling the warmth of tears on his face. Oh, oh! What a disgrace! It has never happened to me. They took him under his arms, and supporting his head from behind, led him away. A glass gleamed before his eyes, and knocked against his teeth, and the water was spilt on his breast. He was in a little room. With two beds in the middle, side by side, covered by two snow-white quilts, he dropped on one of the beds and sobbed. "It's nothing. It's nothing," Samoylenko kept saying. "It does happen. It does happen." Chill with horror, trembling all over, and dreading something awful. Nadezhda Fyodorovna stood by the bedside, and kept asking, "What is it? What is it? For God's sake, tell me!" Can Kirillin have written him something? She thought. "It's nothing," said Laevsky, laughing and crying. "Go away, darling." His face expressed neither hatred nor repulsion, so he knew nothing. Nadezhda Fyodorovna was somewhat reassured, and she went into the drawing room.
Don't agitate yourself, my dear, said Maria Konstantinovna, sitting down beside her and taking her hand. It will pass. Men are just as weak as we poor sinners. You are both going through a crisis. One can so well understand it. Well, my dear, I am waiting for an answer. Let us have a little talk. No, we are not going to talk, said Nadezhda Fyodorovna, listening to Laevsky's sobs. I feel depressed. You must allow me to go home. What do you mean? What do you mean, my dear? cried Maria Konstantinovna in alarm. Do you think I could let you go without supper? We will have something to eat, and then you may go with my blessing. I feel miserable, whispered Nadezhda Fyodorovna, and she caught at the arm of the chair with both hands to avoid falling. He's got a touch of hysterics, said von Korn gaily, coming into the drawing-room. But seeing Nadezhda Fyodorovna, he was taken aback and retreated. When the attack was over, Levsky sat on the strange bed and thought, Disgraceful! I've been howling like some wretched girl. I must have been absurd and disgusting. I will go away by the back stairs. But that would seem as though I took my hysterics too seriously. I ought to take it as a joke. He looked in the looking-glass, sat there for some time, and went back into the drawing-room. Here I am, he said, smiling. He felt agonizingly ashamed, and he felt others were ashamed in his presence. Fancy such a thing happening, he said, sitting down. I was sitting here, and all of a sudden, do you know, I felt a terrible, piercing pain in my side. Unendurable. My nerves could not stand it, and, and it led to this silly performance. This is the age of nerves. There is no help for it. At supper he drank some wine, and from time to time, with an abrupt sigh, rubbed his side, as though to suggest that he still felt the pain. And no one, except Nadezhda Fyodorovna, believed him, and he saw that. After nine o'clock, they went for a walk on the boulevard. Nadezhda Fyodorovna, afraid that Kirilin would speak to her, did her best to keep all the time beside Maria Konstantinovna and the children. She felt weak with fear and misery, and felt she was going to be feverish. She was exhausted, and her legs would hardly move, but she did not go home, because she felt sure that she would be followed by Kirilin or Atchmianov, or both at once. Kirilin walked behind her with Nikodim Alexandrich, and kept humming in an undertone, I don't allow people to play with me. I don't allow it. From the boulevard, they went back to the pavilion and walked along the beach, and looked 
for a long time at the phosphorescence on the water. Von Koren began telling them why it looked phosphorescent. End of chapter 13